our team of customer success always knew where operations should spend their time and their money. I was always the person who would walk into a, a room or a meeting and say, here, here, and here, and this is what you should do. Because we had so many people giving us feedback on their experience there, that is real data. That is what's important. You want to listen to your research department tell you what was good last week? All right. I much rather listen to customers who are standing in my business or using my product right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Account Experience Podcast. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Carrie T. Self. Say hello, Carrie. Hello, everyone. And today, we are having a battle of the titans. So, you've heard about the Bitcoin versus the burrito battle. We're going full in on CSAT versus NPS. Carrie, did you or did you not spend your whole day going and trying to crack that code on the burritos versus the... The Bitcoin are, thing or in Chipotle. You are just calling me out because that's all we've been talking about for the last couple hours burritos. Um, Bitcoin's nice, but burritos? Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. we're, we're uh, For those of you that don't know, Chipotle launched a campaign today, April 1st. Coincidence, I'm not so sure. Um, basically, asking people to input a six-number uh, digit onto a page, burritos or Bitcoin.com. And you have a chance of getting burritos or Bitcoin if you get the if you get the code right. So everybody's going down this rabbit hole of what could it be? Like, is there any clues on the page? And we just did that for like 20 minutes. So uh, anyways, which got us thinking, could we do a similar head-to-head battle with CSAT and NPS? Uh, and um, I know there's been a lot of, I don't want to say confusion because I think people get it, but there's been a lot of debate about what metric is best for what situation um spoiler alert we're we're big nps people here but um, i'm gonna do my best to represent the csat side uh and that might be not the best of ideas because it, it, there's not uh a ton i can defend <laughs> but i'll do my best that's my promise so yeah, I, I think you know, what's important here to say and i think you said it well though is like we we've 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 selected our titan per se and we're not here to say one doesn't work after that. It's what you can do with them. I think it's going to be important. I think, and that will be the approach we'll take from this is, okay, you're thinking about it or you're on the fence or you have the ability to use one or the other. And we're just going to talk through a little bit of why we think one, one value, what, which one has more value and what we do in the relationship building process. Yeah, exactly. And I think that scenario specific. So I think, let me, let me just kick it off, Gary. You ready for this battle of the Titans? All right. Um, CSAT is better for measuring, um, satisfaction on different channels. So I can send a CSAT survey out, has 50 questions where I ask how everybody is satisfied about your website, about your chat experience, about your XYZ. You can go down the list and send one survey and get every piece of feedback about all your channels with one customer. I think that's what CSAT is good for. So, so how many questions did you say that was, Ian? Let me just run an inventory here. About 50? Uh, it's probably about 50 <laughs> when it's all said and done. Yeah, probably eight or 10 per channel. But I, I guess that's always the question I always like to bring up. If, if you are measuring, let's say, a journey or multiple touch points, 
or multiple places where your organization engages with your customer. In a CSAT scenario, like you said, you have to have every channel tuned in. Now you're making the person filling out this survey, this touch point, multiple times. And then you're also asking them to give you a level of satisfaction between zero and five or one and five. It's, it's a sliding scale. Like, how do I measure that? Do I measure it on time spent or whatever? So first there's the mathematical equation that gets baked into this, the time and the effort. Mm -hmm. So let's take it from the other side on that point, NPS, net promoter. Um, one question, would you recommend us? And I, and look, we get dinged all the time on this. We always hear people say, isn't it kind of simple? Well, if I was only getting 10 responses out of a thousand, I would say maybe we might be able to have some blind spots, but in relationship building, people are very motivated to answer one simple question. So we usually see higher response rates with NPS. And in that, what we're able to do is ask the one question and then attach drivers to the back side of that. So I can take, and maybe not 50, Ian and I might be exaggerating just a little bit, but we can take 20 or 30 touch points and connect that to that question in the form of drivers, these additional reasons why they selected that score. And we can start to populate these buckets with a sentiment score from zero to 10. That helps us to start to weight what is important to people that are giving us a promoter, a passover, a detractor. So would you say what, 10 minutes to complete a CSAT versus a minute or so to complete an MPS survey? Yeah. I resign my position. <laughs> and thank I, I you no for response. attending this week's podcast. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> um, no, but I think it, it's really interesting where you can kind of, the CSAT, technically my, my position was accurate. I can get a bunch of information about every channel. So like if I, if I launched a new website, I could ask about the experience of the website, which is true. Um, but I think the way I look at it, Carrie, is like you're operating a Model T in the era of a Tesla, right? And this is going to sound maybe a bit too aggressive, but just roll with me, guys. You're, you, you can do the same thing with NPS and it's a lot shorter and a lot more effective. If you tie your NPS data to your question, zero to 10, two drivers, and you have your channels built into your drivers. So like the way drivers work, and I know we talk about drivers all the time, but you have a top level driver. It's like a little checkbox and it could say product. And once they check that, it, uh, it uh, expands out into sub drivers, which are like, um, ease of use in the product, uh, menu structure in the product, uh, you know, usability, reporting, all of these things. And you can do this for every channel. So you can have, you know, I think our, our rule of thumb is about five drivers, main level drivers for each, but you can get up to like eight to 10 if you really need to. And these can be the channels. They can, they can basically be the same channels you're asking in the CSAT, but your customer can, instead of feeling, I'm somewhat satisfied with your experience on your website, I'm somewhat satisfied with the chat experience on the website. I'm somewhat, you know what I mean? You can just check, 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 and you can leave a, an open comment box if you need to, but this can all happen within two minutes. Like you said, I think we, we got a literally a B2B benchmark stat the other day from our product, anonymized across all of our different um, customers that it takes roughly, I think like what, two minutes to finish the survey, Carrie? 90 seconds almost? Yeah. Any of our customers that had a survey that was under two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, saw, saw I think it was a seven point 
our, our, well, there's many things that happened. Our, our response rate definitely went up. Um, was more likely to get that. And the score went up because more people were contributing. I mean, just there was this cascade yeah. effect of getting more feedback for sure. And I think just to, to wrap up a bow around that last kind of comment is like, you're getting the same information at about a 10th of the time. And not only that, like CSAT isn't really actionable. Like it, it gives you information, but you're not, you're not using a system. You're just, you're researching, you're insights-based, right? We've talked about this previously too. You are gathering information that helps you. Not, it's not really helping you improve the experience of the customer immediately. It's, it's, or fix a problem or X, Y, Z. You're gathering information that better informs you, which is okay in some instances, but why not do both gather information and act and change your business at the same time. Like that's what I've never been able to rectify in my head about CSAT versus NPS. Yeah, where... that, that is such an important point that how are you using your survey campaign? How are you, what are you doing with this? Are you treating it as a review? Do you want to show off to other companies say, Hey, I've got a 97.4. Well, I've got a 97.5. It's like, yeah. it's not even realistic. What are you doing with that? Except, you know, showing off it's i hate to say it, it's like a pissing contest and no one's winning everyone's getting hit in the face if you know what i mean you know and it's like an mps is actionable you know it's like where should we invest our time grab it allows the person completing the survey to gravitate and select what they think your organization should be focused on why they buy you why they renew why they stick with you and I'm with you. I think one is very, um, you know, it's, it's trailing. Hey, this is how I felt. You know, here's, yes, I was satisfied. Now what? Nothing. We're going to put it on our website versus, hey, yeah, thanks for asking. But if I was going to tell you to work on something, this is what I would say. And yeah. I think, I think that's a different one is very much more actionable. The MPS definitely is. I, I, I do want to say one thing about, about CSAT. Again, I'm not, I'm not debunking or trashing it, but there are transactional situations where you might not be getting a lot of them where, like Ian said, you might need to touch a couple of channels if you roll out a new website, if you have a new support team and you need to collect data, but you're not expecting a lot to flow in immediately. I could see there being some value, but then I would argue the other side, the, pre the reason why you're probably not seeing a lot of responses on it, the more time people spend on a survey, the less likely they are to complete it. All right. Well, let me take that argument then. Let's go. Let's go there. Number two, yeah. battle number two. CSAT is better for transactional service. I just submitted a support ticket. It was just resolved. You send over a CSAT survey. It's still 15, 20 questions long, but it's a transaction. It's, it's literally saying, how satisfied are you with your experience with John Doe, who provided you service today on your issue? I think CSAT's better for that. Go. Again, I, I'm going to have to stick with what I what I practice, what I preach, and what I did myself. And we we transitioned all of our transactional surveys over to NPS questions. So, so think of it this way: there's there's a lot of research that goes behind Net Promoter. There's a lot of data that goes behind it. This was not someone's idea in a basement, and we decided to roll with it. We literally. There's years of research on this. There's a lot of people who say, look, why is this so important? It was the one time in surveying where people could actually tie referral, growth, people willing to promote you to others 
to a survey question and based on how they scored. And basically we went through a zero to 10 and we, we asked people to prioritize and we asked people to score us in different areas. And we saw a direct correlation, those that were willing to give us a nine or a 10 in whatever question we asked, they were willing to promote that experience with someone else. So if I have a brand and a product, yes, that's an experience. We talked about Chipotle either. That is an experience. Nine and 10 from me, I will promote them, scream and yell about them, right? I go to that other guy down the road. It's an experience. Might give him a two or three. They're not throwing Bitcoin at me, you know? So I, I, I score them, whatever it is. But we start to range these. It's the same thing in your transactional surveys. Let's say support is one of your transactional surveys. And that's what you're offering up. And you want feedback on that. That's an experience. It's a smaller one, but there's still people to people. There's still a process. You still have drivers that make up that experience. Again, I would tell you, ask one question, attach the drivers to it. You're in and out in under a minute. I, I, I think your NPS relationship should be a mirror of your transaction surveys. It trains your customers to get used to the way you ask. It's very low lift. It's easy. I can understand how it works. It makes sense. So there's something beautifully dynamic and rich about the simplicity of an NPS question and driver. Yeah. And I think you hit on it pretty well, Carrie, that there's the, the understanding. And let me just, again, play devil's advocate here is that the understanding or the, the common understanding in the marketplace right now seems to be that CSAT is better for micro type of interactions or micro experiences. You can measure those with CSAT better than any other metric. But I think what you're saying is you can still use NPS at a transactional level to capture the micro sentiment and tie that into your overall program. Why would you, I mean, honestly, I just, we both have been program managers in the past. I couldn't really imagine wrapping my head around managing both a CSAT survey and an NPS survey, just align it across the board, get, different dashboards for your micro and your macro level. So brand sentiment versus, you know, transactional sentiment of different channels. And you can literally start reporting on sentiment across channels, across journey points, right? Like, I mean, align it around one metric. You gotta kind of, in my opinion, you should pick a side. And I think that the, the ship has sailed with CSAT just like it did with the Model T. Nobody wants to spend 50 minutes filling out a survey. I mean, I remember there's a very well-known speaker company that Carrie and I both love to death, but I have actually taken and given up on halfway through a CSAT uh, survey from them. Yeah. I was really jacked up to take it because I love them. And I was like, this is the best brand. I think they're like just doing some amazing things. Um, and it was literally a 20 minute. I, I took 10 minutes to take it and then bailed halfway through because it did that whole thing where you did, you finished the first set of CSAT and it was like, you're, you're 15% done. You're like, all right. Uh, and then the second page goes, you're 20% done. So they kind of like lower the threshold. To, to, and to, we're fans. Uh, and that's, that, yeah. Listen to us scream and yell here, people. We are super fans and we want to give positive feedback and we want to be critical. I'll let you in on a secret. We also think that X, Y, and Z could get a little bit better. And mm -hmm. if it did, we'd probably buy more from you. But if you make me spend 15, 20 minutes, to fill out a survey that could be done in under a minute, I'm now I'm upset. Now, now, now it's an annoying touch point. And you're right. I mean, 
I try to do that for the brands I love, but I give up if, if it's that complicated, or that difficult. Well, and the other thing, I won't mention the brand by name, but the other thing is like, I've taken one of those in the past too. And this is the second one. Um, and they didn't do anything with it. They didn't follow up with me. They didn't let me know what they did with the information. So it's like, I, so they've kind of trained me to like not expect much. And they're asking me to take 20 minutes out of my day to give them feedback. And I, I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't get a discount. I don't get a coupon. Like, all right, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. I love you guys, but I'm not going to do it. So round three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you do with a CSAT compared to what you can do with an NPS? You know, is NPS truly a, a predictive metric? Is it something that you can you make strategic decisions on, act on? And I would, I would ask the same question of CSAT. Can you do that with a CSAT score? Were you satisfied? What can you do with that, Ian? So I don't know. And I think that's like one of those things where I'm sure there's research out there. I haven't read anything super convincing. I think where I keep coming back to is, is the research that Bain did with NPS that does actually correlate future profitable growth to NPS gains, right? Like, and, and we take a very much hard stance on that. It's like, yes, it does if you do the right things, but we, we almost do a trust but verify type of thing, right? Like we trust it's going to do growth for this company, but we're also tying real revenue to the, to the, to the metric. So you can actually monitor that growth in real time. That's literally CG what we're doing right now in B2B, right? CSAT, I know it's good for research. I know you, you can correlate it to satisfaction. I know you can kind of do a fuzzy match to like brand sentiment. I'm not sure how that ties to growth though. And that's that's my honest, and I, I might get blasted on this. So if, if you guys have research that says CSAT ties directly to growth like NPS does, please send it our way. Yeah. I would read it in a heartbeat. I have not seen much out there that does that or says that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hate to say it's almost, it feels almost after the fact. Mm. And it's a good way to say, oh, that worked. It's kind of like you're lobbing stuff out. And if the score is high enough, you're like, okay, we'll keep doing that. And we'll stop doing that low score thing. And I feel NPS is, it's baked into the process. So like this, we're telling you to go this direction. We're telling you this is what we want or where you should spend time. So, so let me put on the customer cap for a second. You know, I, I love celebrating. I was a customer of Customer Gauge. And that's how I fell in love with not only the process and the platform, but the action behind it. And I always tell the story of how our team of customer success always knew where operations should spend their time and their money. I was always the person who would walk into a, a room or a meeting and say, here, here, and here, and this is what you should do. Because we had so many people giving us feedback on their experience there, that is real data. That is what's important. You wanna to listen to your research department tell you what was good last week? All right, I much rather listen to customers who are standing in my business or using my product right now. Boom. Now I'll take it one step further, Carrie. So hundred percent get the feedback in real time. But the, the other thing that CSAT doesn't really solve is the why, why did they give you that score? Why, why do they, why are they only somewhat satisfied with your product? And I think the benefit of NPS and, and uh, Stefan, which I'm going to, I'm going to tip my hat to this a little bit. He's one of our customers for, from Heineken and the way he described his program using customer gauge is something along the lines of like a customer conversation tool or a customer 
Um, it was basically what it was, a cu customer conversation program. And I think the benefit of NPS is that if you're using NPS, you're basing it around action, not research, right? So CSAT is very much in the research space where you get that data, like you said, Carrie, it's two weeks you know, gone already and you're not doing anything with it. NPS comes in, you know the score, you follow up with the customer immediately, you can have a conversation immediately. A lot of the times, that's the really cool thing about NPS. So a detractor comes in, you reach out immediately, have that conversation of like, why? You know the why. And you can even capture that in our surveys too. Like that's the other thing is you can capture it. Without CSAT, I mean, you can't in CSAT as far as I'm aware. But that yeah. that's a powerful thing. Like understanding the why and being able to have that conversation with a customer. Whereas like you said, CSAT just sits in a shelf somewhere in an insight lab and, and gets stale. And I want to bring this back up one more time because you said it, you supercharge the process by tying it to money, yep. to revenue. It, it, it's guys, money talks. I hate to say it. If that hurts anyone's feelings, you're on the wrong podcast. We're about growth. We're about referral. It's, you know, it's, it's what is driving people to spend money with you. And when you can connect that to the scores they're giving you and to the response rates and to the drivers, mm. now we're starting to put dollar amounts on the drivers they're selecting yeah, I'm sure you could go back to CSAT. I'm sure you could bake up some kind of financial thing on that if they were satisfied in how much they spent. But we have a direct correlation to people who score high and people who give us higher scores and how much they spend continues to grow time after time after time. Yeah. And the reverse is true too. It's an identifier for who's going to churn. If they're giving us a, a, a detractor and we don't respond, they're going to churn. They're pissed. They're promote. They're upset promoters giving us a chance to fix it. If we do nothing, they leave. If yeah. they're a passive, all they care about is money anyway, usually. Like, okay, we're satisfied. That's your satisfaction score right there. Can we make them into promoters or not? But we still have to take care of them. I, it's, such a, it's such a heavy tool. You really supercharge it when you yeah. tie that revenue in. And it, and it, I don't want to go too deep here because it's not necessarily discussion, but just to echo what Carrie's saying, um, when you tie revenue to it and you can tie revenue to the drivers and you can understand like a lot of my promoters really um, are tied to this specific driver and a lot of our detractors are tied to this other driver. Like let's say um, just for the easy use case product, that's a really good sign. And then you can dive into your sub drivers and like, oh, okay. Like, Two million bucks are tied to this one driver of the menu structure. Okay, maybe we should retool the menu structure. We could probably get some of that money back in the good column, right? The promoter column. Right. So it's not, we say this a lot, and I think we we maybe need to just keep repeating it. It's like when you tie revenue to it, it changes the game. It really does, because then it gives you a lens. It gives you a lens to look at the feedback through that helps you not only start those conversations with customers, but focus on the right things in your business that will drive growth now and future growth down the road. I think that's that's a very specific thing that I think gets lost sometimes because we're so used to it, Carrie. We talk about it every day and like how amazing it is and how everybody should be. It's crazy that nobody's, not everybody's doing this, right? Um, but when we talk about integrating revenue, that's really what it means. It's like just making better decisions that will impact your revenue yeah. situation, right? I mean, that's at the yeah. end of the day what it is. What else we got? Any other battles we can go into? CSAT versus NPS? Which one Which one well, has more bubbles? CSAT There's one left, but I don't think there's going to be much of a battle on this one, if you want me to be honest. And I'm, 
and I might be playing a little bit with some wording here and you might call me out on it, but this is what I'm going to say. CSAT is a score. It's a question. It's a score. It's a metric. NPS, the S in NPS does not stand for score. It's system. If you are running a net promoter program, you are running a system, a process. And that process includes reaching out, engaging, starting conversation like Ian said earlier, building on that relationship, feeding that loop again, and continually building on that. So, I mean, I guess that if, that were, if there was a mic drop moment in this debate, this battle of titans, as you say, I really believe that if you truly are running a net promoter system, you're running a process and a program that will keep energizing, keep feeding your company, promoting growth, identifying strategic decisions you guys can make as an organization. It also gets cultural buy-in. People get it. They're part of the process. It's contagious almost. Satisfaction score can either be love or hate. Either like, oh, that's great, that's not. A good NPS system has people wanting to be part of that. It busts through silos, it busts through departments. Um, and I, I'll say, again, I speak from experience of myself, multiple programs, Ian's done it also, but we've also seen our other customers. This is where the culture takes off. This is where the process hits the ground and really, really takes off and, and makes a healthy system out of it. It's not just a score that you look at on a wall. It's a program, a process. It's something that people can do something with. I think uh, spot on, Carrie. I mean, that, that literally is a mic drop moment right there. I think I don't have a rebuttal for that on the CSAT side, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, but just to, just to one, one final point, I think like score, even if CSAT and NPS, we just looked at it from a score standpoint, I think NPS still wins because like you can kind of figure out what the score where the store score came from right whereas csat it might be all over the place like if you, i've seen csat questionnaires that literally tackle every channel every possible experience i've had with a company and it's like yeah you have a score at the end of that but god knows you can i mean you probably could get to it but it's messier and i think board members i think ceos um the nps is so widely adopted across like the fortune 500 to fortune 1000 that it's just, you're speaking the same language at that point, right? Like if you go to an, a CEO and say, well, we're, we have somewhat satisfied people on this specific thing and, you know, somewhat dissatisfied over there. NPS is very simple. It's, it's like, we're at a 62 and it's, you know, we could approve it if we do these three things. You add revenue into the mix when you're talking to a CEO, even better. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really think that CSAT served a purpose maybe back in the eighties or nineties but I think modern NPS, and I'm not talking about, I hate to say it out loud, but Bain's NPS, I think it was okay. It started it all off, right? Um, and they wrote the book, they wrote two books, three books. Um, but I think what the modern version of NPS is account experience. You take that in, especially for B2B, you take that in, you add revenue, you add account data, you manage multiple different contacts at the account level and get NPS for each one of those across multiple different journey points. I mean, that's, that's where really where the magic happens. I think, um, yeah, I mean, CSAT kind of got a beat down here, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was a great point that 
because with all that noise, it CSAT almost cancels itself out with all those questions. A bit. And, yeah. and and it's all over the place. Instead of asking someone, does, where where do you go with that? Um, we can bucketize our customers pretty fast. We can look at the ones that love us or hate us or are struggling and and we can you're right it's very very precise it's it's spot on and you're right to go through a csat survey and to break that down to know where to start and when to stop it's can be a bit confusing it's messy yeah it's a really good point all right so i think we've officially busted this whole csat versus nps thing if you guys have opinions on this let us know we'd love to hear it we're always open to new ideas I think we're basing it off of our experience in the field with um, some some B2B clients out there. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on LinkedIn. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Account Experience Podcast. Make sure to share with your friends and uh, listen to the next one. This episode of the Account Experience Podcast is sponsored by Customer Gauge, the leading B2B account experience software that ties revenue to your experience data in real time to help you make better account-centric decisions that drive revenue growth. Quick question. What do you guys think is the number one reason B2B experience programs fail? Believe it or not, it's lack of C-suite buy-in. In Customer Gauge's research with MIT, they found the quickest way to align yourselves with the C-suite is to actually align with what they care about most, which is revenue. That's why Customer Gauge is literally built from the ground up to maximize and track the revenue contribution from your experience program in real time. Companies like DHL, Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, uh, yeah, we get a good amount of free beer. One login, Iron Mountain, H&R Block, Super Office, and Sugar CRM are already using Customer Gauge to maximize their growth by tying their programs to revenue. And with over $10 billion worth of account revenue actively being managed in Customer Gauge, yeah, that's billion with a B. They're the leader in the space. But maybe even more interesting, they found that once you get alignment with that C-suite, the needs of these B2B practitioners or the program champions are evolving too. In such a complex account environment, it can be really tough to measure and act on feedback quickly across multiple departments, divisions, or even locations. Luckily, Customer Gauge has you covered there as well. With account-native features that easily help you not only measure the feedback from multiple stakeholders in an account, but act on that feedback in real time. Because at the end of the day, if you're not empowering your frontline staff with the right insights to address customer issues, you're going to be dealing with a churn issue. It's not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when. Customer Gauge helps you distribute this experience data across your entire organization, regardless of department, regardless of location, regardless of division, all in real time. No manual spreadsheets or a team of analysts are needed. Customer Gauge's mission is to help B2B companies harness the power of account-centric growth to drive meaningful change in their businesses. And that's a powerful thing. If you want to see Customer Gauge in action, go ahead and check out customergauge.com and get a demo of account experience today. You won't regret it.